This episode of The Labor of Love is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code REALSIMPLE at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of RealSimple.com. On today's episode, we'll be talking about something I'm pretty sure most listeners can relate to, the significance of our first formative romance. More specifically, we'll be discussing why it's so hard to get over our first love. Joining me today is Ellen McCarthy, an award-winning writer for The Washington Post and author of The Real Thing, Lessons on Love and Life from a Wedding Reporter's Notebook. Ellen recently wrote an article about first love and why psychologists have discovered it's so powerful. And her article made me think about my own first love. His name was Jamie Becker, and he'll be on the show with us later, too. Hi, Ellen. Thanks for being here again. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So, Ellen, you recently wrote a piece about first love that really struck me because it had a lot of resonance. One of the things you talked about and you say in the article is that falling in love is just like any other first thrilling experience. And so the first time sort of cements itself in our memory, just like if you went skydiving once, the first time rather than the 10th time would be a lot more searing in your memory. Can you tell me a little bit more about that research? Yeah, I thought that that was a really helpful explanation because it made it make sense. You know, when you think about all the relationships you've had, it's not necessarily true that the the first boyfriend or girlfriend was better than the second, third, fourth, fifth, more right for you or, you know, a, a better match in any way. But for some reason, it, it does hold that power. And, and uh, what what that professor, our Aaron, was saying was that it, it doesn't have to do with the person so much as the fact that that person came first for you and that together the two of you really decided what love was. You'd never experienced love before. And so you're making it up as you go along and you're making it up as you go along with this particular person. And so all of those things are new. And what he said, all new experiences imprint in our memory in a way that will last longer than subsequent experiences. But particularly that's true, he said, for things that are a little bit scary. And he said, falling in love is a little bit scary. You know, you have all of these questions. Uh, Am I going to be good enough? Is this person going to be good enough for me? What's going to happen? Will there be rejection involved? You know, will we stay together? Is, you know, Katie, the cheerleader going to come along and steal my guy? (laughs) There there are so many X factors involved that that there is, you know, as, as wonderful as falling in love is, there is an element of fear involved, which, you know, makes it an even more powerful first experience. So speaking of the cheerleader, you also spoke to someone, and I I thought this was super interesting, another psychologist who said that most people between the ages of 15 and 26 have a memory bump, uh, is what he called it. Can you explain what that means and how it pertains to first love? Yeah. So it's really interesting, and I think that if you think back on your own life, you'll find that it's true that for for whatever reason, there's something that happens during that period of later adolescence where 
we remember more. So if you look at as somebody's memory across the course of, the, of their lifetime, you know, yes, you remember things from childhood. Yes, you remember things from, from your later 20s, 30s, 40s, and beyond. But th- there is something about that period of time, you know, the time when you're often in college or end of high school, you know, your first years out in the workplace that, that we remember in a in a unique way and in a particularly positive way. So we put a positive spin on those things. And when you think about that period of your life, it is the time when you're sort of moving into independence and you're having so many first experiences. It'll be your first time living away from home, your first time staying up all night at college with you know, a group of new friends, your, your first time maybe earning a salary or having a, you know, a performance review at work, maybe your first time living abroad. And so because you're having so many first experiences, we remember that period uh, in a larger amount than we will remember any other period of our life. And we put a rose-colored view on it. We have more positive memories of that time, too. And maybe it's just more fun. We're young and we're out and we're having fun. So I, in preparation for this podcast, have been thinking a lot about my first love. And we met when I was almost 18 and then dated for the for half of my senior year of high school and then into college. And when I was really, when I talk about him and think about him now, it is really rosy. Mm-hmm. It's very, like, and even in my memory, it's very fuzzy and there's, like, music playing and, and <laughs> we're young and gorgeous. And... Yet, when I was really thinking about our relationship last night, and I was thinking it was actually kind of torture. Like, we tortured yeah. each other in all kinds yeah. of ways. And yet, after all of those years of being together, I think of him with such fondness. Right, right. And such a pang, right? Yes. A pang of sort of wonder and what, what could have been and what was. And it's just such a—the feeling is just so deep, I think, yeah. because we can never again sort of— probably reach those highs and those lows. Do you know what I mean? Um, The other thing that happens during adolescence is that our hormones are so wild and crazy and everything is so high and so low. If you don't get the right seat at the right lunch table, you are going to feel that in a different way at 16 than you will feel it at 26 or 36 when you don't care where you sit at lunch. And and that's a, a biological thing. And so, you know, as many great loves come after that, they probably cannot give you the same feeling that you had with that one which doesn't make that person the right person. And I think that that can be the danger zone for people. This article that you wrote a few weeks ago received a lot of comments, and I noticed that there were a lot of stories from people reminiscing mm. about their own first love in a, in a really sweet, profound, moving way. Were there any in particular that resonated with you? Yeah, and I got some, you know, I got some private emails as well. And I have to tell you, a lot of them were pretty tortured. I I heard from a number of people who had reconnected with their first love, but they were married. Both parties were married. And yeah, you know, uh, there was sort of a debate going on about should should we leave our current spouses and our families to reunite? You know, this pull feels so strong. But some of the stories were much sweeter. You know, there were, you know, older people sort of talking about their first loves that maybe they had decades and decades and decades ago and had, you know, finally gotten back in touch with. And, And there's a woman 
who I referenced in the article, who has been collecting these stories for years. And, and she talks about the ones who reunite successfully being the ones who were broken apart by an external force. So that's the other thing that can happen in these instances is that, you know, at that age in life, maybe we don't make all of our own decisions. There could be a parent still involved or a circumstance, you know, a family moving or, you know, somebody going off to war that causes Mm -hmm. the split. And so for those couples who then, you know, always felt like there was no reason they should have ever parted when they reunite, they have a very high success rate um, in their subsequent uh, relationships. Ellen, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you think is worth talking about? The only other thing that I would say was that, you know, one of the psychologists I spoke to, I thought, said something that was also really useful for me in my thinking about this. And he said, it's not necessarily about the relationship and it's not necessarily about the other person in the relationship as much as we may be focusing on them. It it may be that in remembering those days, we are remembering our youthful, beautiful, vibrant self at 17, 18, 19. And it may be that that we miss as much as anything else. And maybe we miss all of the possibility that existed there. I think as you get older and you get more entrenched in your relationships, that novelty is harder to find. And we know that that's um, a huge struggle for people in long-term relationships. And you live a day-in, day-out life with them, you know, doing all of the the diapers and the dishes and the, you right. know, work of having a marriage. And it's very different than, you know, <laughs> having your first sort of illicit taste of wine in mm-hmm. a cornfield with your first love. <laughs> it's a lot easier <laughs> to think fondly of that than, you yeah. know, uh, your, your, your fifth, yeah, you know, diaper change changing of the, the sheets yes. in the middle of the night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the cornfield sounds a lot better. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Ellen, thanks so much for being here. I love having you on the show. Oh, Laura, it's so much fun. I really appreciate it. Stay with us. Coming up, for the first time in almost 20 years, I talk to my first love. As an editor of a website, I spend a lot of time on websites every single day. It's a big part of my day. And I'll tell you, there is a big difference between going to a site that looks clean and bright and fresh and easy to use than there is when you visit one that's cluttered and hard to navigate. Squarespace sites look professionally designed, and regardless of your skill level, there's no coding required. They have intuitive and easy-to-use tools, and you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code REALSIMPLE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. How are you? I'm good. How are you? When was the last time we saw each other? I'm trying to remember. Oh, God, it's been ages. Um, was it I can't in even remember. Was it New York? Were we? Did we see each other in New York? And I, I would try to see each other. Yeah, in New York. I don't think we've ever seen each other on the East Coast. You, I would. If anyone asked me who was your first love, I would say Jamie Becker. And our relationship was interesting because it started in high school and went through college. And I was just telling Ellen McCarthy, who I just spoke to, that what's interesting about my feelings about our relationship is that. I think of you with such fondness in the in the general sense. And yet in the last few days, as I've been prepping for this and thinking about our actual relationship, it was kind of torture. Um, (laughs) And I'm wondering what how you experience that. 
What's your yeah, memory like? I think it was similar because since it was the first time we had experienced those kinds of feelings, that they were intensified, you know, both on the good side and the bad side. Yeah. So, you know, love, jealousy, fear of getting hurt, then they were pretty intense. Right. Psychologists have talked about the memory bump that we have between the ages of 15 and 26, which is kind of exactly what you're describing, which is that our memories of those years of our life tend to be more intensified. I definitely have that about you and about those years, that if you asked me about something I did two years ago, I probably wouldn't remember very clearly what I had done or what, I'd ha- what had happened, whereas I have really clear, vivid memories of spending time in your Jeep or, you know, walking through Madison with you. They're almost cinematic. They're so vivid. Well, you know, I agree, and I, I have the same thing. And I think it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, that was the first time we were really, you know, intimate with someone else, you know, both physically right. and emotionally, you know, other than people in our family, I guess. But, you know, so we were vulnerable for the first time. And that's a strong experience to share with someone else. It, you know, I think that does create a legitimate bond or maybe a level of trust that's really tough to duplicate again later in life. So, I, you know, I do think there's some some it's not just us, you know, glorifying it. I think there is some to me, at least, you know, some some real tangible differences there just because of where we were in our lives. And yeah, those those good feelings were, you know, well, good and bad, but really the good ones were the first time we really experienced that kind of thing. What do you think, if you could talk or say something about what you learned from our relationship and how it's affected your subsequent ones, especially your marriage? Is there anything that comes to mind? I think over time, what I learned from all relationships, you know, all of my subsequent relationships and relationships with you is kind of, you know, how I don't want to say what I wanted to avoid. It sounds terrible, but <laughs> I, did, I did start to learn about things that I wasn't compatible with or that you know didn't work out. You know, I, I just can't handle, you know, I don't know, jealousy or, or things like that. I'm not not just pinning that on you. Don't worry. But. <laughs> But I think as I moved through life, I found myself a little bit more, maybe pragmatically, maybe just for survival's sake, trying to, you know, spending some time, maybe more, much more than I did when we were first, you know, when it was just you and I, keying into things that that weren't going to be, you know, compatible with what I was looking for. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I got very concerned about, you know, negative things that happened, arguments that you could get in with people over silly things. Right. And just I started looking for those signs, those personality traits that I just couldn't necessarily, you know, live with. And, you know, the last thing we were doing then is being pragmatic about whether or not we were compatible or whether or not we could have a long-term relationship with this person. We were just psyched to be together, and, and that was really nice. And I think as you get older, you know, I think you do spend more time, or at least I spend more time thinking about those things that could be negatives. Mm-hmm. Kind of dodging your question. But... You totally are. Um, <laughs> I'll, I will answer my own question because I, I had some time to think about it. The two things when I think about what you provided me that I have been really important to keep in relationships that I've had and certainly in my marriage is the first thing is this needing to be with someone who could see you really see me really clearly and not be afraid, you know, Mm. and to really be able to handle the ups and downs and the, you know, 
eccentricities and um, and that unconditional love that I felt you provided me with was super important and something that I don't think I ever could have given up after having had it. It's interesting because, yeah, I think, again, having nothing to compare it to at that time, you had nothing to, I don't, it didn't seem like we had any, we were trying to act a certain way or be somebody we weren't. And right. I think maybe later in life, in college and afterwards in our 20s, or at least in my 20s, I found myself doing that. I'd see somebody, oh, this they seem perfect for me. I want to make them like me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel that, you know, with our relationship. Right. And so there was a, um, there was always a pressure maybe that I didn't realize was being put on. And maybe that's what I meant before by, I, I think later on, I eventually realized that I was adding pressure. And yes, maybe I should give you more credit for this, that, you know, later on, I realized that's, that's not the way to find somebody that is going to be, you know, that you're really going to want to spend the rest of your life with by maybe trying to, you know, create somebody that you're not to get them to like you. And I I do remember a distinct point in my life where I said, that's it. I'm not going to put on any ears with anyone. What you see is what you get. If you don't like it, that's, you know, we can save some time here. (laughs) (laughs) With you and I, we didn't have that problem. We just, we literally weren't thinking about those things. Well, we were so raw. I mean, we were completely unformed. Um, The other thing that our relationship taught me and that has served me well, I think, since subsequently is how important it is to be with someone who makes you laugh because your particular brand of humor and your sarcasm and your wit kind of, to me, always, you were able to add levity to so many situations between us that were not funny or have and were really heavy. <laughs> and that's a really great skill. And so I think when I think about my husband now, he has a similar wit and it gets it gets us through a lot oh it <laughs> means a lot um do you have any particular is there if you had to like go back and distill it all into one memory is there any one thing that you remember from our time together that kind of signifies for you first love you know i would have to say i mean the the strongest memories i have or feelings that I have even because they weren't some of them were just specific, but kind of the strongest, you know, emotion, emotions that I remember were really just time you and I, you know, sitting in your room, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you were doing work or whatever it was, but we were just sitting together and we could spend so much time together just ourselves. And that was the first time I have had experienced that. And I don't equate our relationship to being around a whole lot of other people, no, even though no. we were often, but the, the strongest memories were just you and I together. And those were, you know, very intimate moments, even though we may not have been doing all that much. They were, you know, they were pretty amazing intimate moments at the time and, and even now. I think for me, the Jeep, you know, rep- like our relationship, but also just driving around in your Jeep was represented freedom. It was like our escape from school and from our families and I just I very clearly remember putting you having your hand on the sh- stick shift and having my hand on top of yours, even though I still can't drive stick shift. But I, uh, and yeah, Damn, I would, how did I not teach you? That? Know, that would have been something good you could have taken. I know that would have been a take that really would have helped me in life. So anyway, I, I agree, though, I, I have a lot of salient memories of sort of mundane things that we did together, like driving and sitting. 
<laughs> in my room. You know, when you do think back on it, like those, just those mundane moments were, you know, were, I thought were wonderful and amazing. But you're right. A lot, you know, thinking about this, a lot of the, the, you know, kind of the, the emotions were so strong. And I think, you know, for me, it was the fear of losing you or, you know, not knowing what was going to happen or, you know, knowing it wasn't going to last forever type of thing, I think made it that much more, you know, volatile and intense at times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, which was great. I think that makes it memorable and it made it exciting, you know, but it did make it volatile at times. And, you know, I was thinking about that and I was like, man, imagine if you didn't evolve and every relationship we had was as intense as our first love. I mean, We'd be, be a crazy place. We'd be institutionalized. I mean, we wouldn't, I couldn't handle that now. Could you? Yeah. I mean, imagine if everyone was like, that, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Thanks so much. Bye. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. If you have a domestic quandary and would like to be a guest on our show, or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Tim Eininkel, and our engineer, Zach Dinerstein. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find three more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at iTunes.com slash Panoply or at Panoply.fm. I'm Lori Leibovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love.